calling all car dealers in Ontario. Protect your clients from hefty insurance premium surcharges coming in September while simultaneously saving on your garage policy premium. With insurance premiums skyrocketing on high-theft vehicles, your clients could save up to $12,500 over five years. Increase your profits and enhance your savings within Visitrack Locate. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the October 13th, 2023 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. My guest this week is a labor expert who has been closely watching contract talks on both sides of the border. He'll tell us why union membership might be in its most powerful bargaining position in decades, what type of effect UAW President Sean Fain is having on the talks in the U.S. and in Canada, and he'll tell us whether uniform members at Stellantis could spell the end of pattern bargaining. All that and more when I speak with Brock University labor professor Larry Savage on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. Let me start by asking you this. How would you describe these contract talks on both sides of the border? Fascinating and uh, (laughs) unprecedented and multi-layered. You know, know, the UAW Unifor drama, the Sean Fain drama, the Cassidy Payne drama. I mean, there's... uh, They could have an HBO miniseries after this is all done. I agree. And I've said all along that the influence of United Auto Workers president Sean Fain in the social media era has permeated the rank and file of Unifor in Canada. Would you agree with that? Sean Fain has sort of risen to the level of celebrity status over the course of these negotiations. Uh, and his influence has uh, spilled over north of the border. There's no question about it. I, I think that um, in the four tentative agreement, you know, the 54% ratification vote kind of screamed out for an explanation given that the tentative agreement was one of, if not the best deal the union had ever uh, achieved for its members. And so that, that begs the question, why, why did 46% of members vote against it? And I think part of the answer lies in the fact that Sean Fain and the UAW really raised uh, auto workers' expectations on both sides of the border. And without getting into a nuts and bolts comparison, because of course there are, these are different contracts, different histories, Um, I think that there was a perception amongst Canadian auto workers that uh, the UAW was holding out for more. Sean was asking for a 46% raise and four-day work week right out of the gate. Were his expectations fair? Were they attainable? These seem like impossible demands to be met, yet it also seems like that's what membership continues to cling to. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Fain himself, you know, acknowledged that the demands were audacious. Mm-hmm. But the one thing you can't deny is that they're resonating with people and not just with UAW members. Like public opinion in the United States is with the UAW. And I think that part of this is a recognition of the fact that with within the UAW, people see this as a golden opportunity to catch up after years of concession bargaining and belt tightening. 
But the other part of it, I think that spills beyond the UAW, is that coming out of the pandemic, that workers more generally are fed up and they're in more of a mood to fight back. And the UAW, in the way that it has framed its fight with uh, the D3, the strike strategy that has pursued with the D3, um, I think is very clearly energizing the base in a way um, that we haven't seen for quite some time. Have workers ever been in a more powerful bargaining position? I don't know if I'd be bold enough to say that in all of history, but certainly um, since the turn of the century, I think workers have more bargaining power uh, than we've seen. Uh, Let me say it this way. The Mm. landscape has clearly shifted. The economic landscape has clearly shifted and workers have a window of opportunity to make giant leaps forward that were simply not available to them um, previously. And part of this is reactive, like it's catching up to issues like persistently high inflation. But of course, it's also a response to sky high profits at the D3, right? Without those sky high profits, you wouldn't be seeing these bargaining demands. And I think it also speaks to Fain as a particular kind of leader and the um, the frame that he's sort of uh, leaning into, that this is a, a fight not just against the D3, but against the billionaire class, like a very Bernie Sanders populist approach to collective bargaining. That, again, it's like he got the president at a UAW picket line. <laughs> no one had that on their bingo card at the start of negotiations. Sean Fain seems to have pushed all the right buttons to get his membership and the general public, to some extent, as you mentioned, engaged and on his side. Is he one of the better labor leaders we've ever seen? I mean, he's tapping into a broader class resentment that is um, that is definitely helping his cause. And, uh, of course, here's the thing, though. The proof will be in the pudding, right? Right. Uh, it's difficult to assess how successful the UAW strategy is without seeing tentative contracts or ratified contracts. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I'd reserve judgment on that because I'm sure there will be lots of people after these rounds of bargaining are over that will compare and contrast uh, what happened north of the border to what happened south of the border to determine, you know, what was the most fruitful path for auto workers. We'll be right back after this short break. Due to the alarming rise in vehicle thefts, starting September 1st, 2023, Ontario drivers will face a brand new substantial surcharge to their already high insurance premiums to many of your top-selling models, and they need your help. IA Dealer Services has partnered exclusively with KYCS Global Inc. to offer dealerships across Canada the Invisitrack Locate Vehicle Recovery Program. Invisitrack Locate is recognized in the insurance industry as a solution to auto theft loss, so much so that insurance providers will waive the premium surcharge for consumers who install an Invisitrack Locate device in their vehicle. You can help your clients by simply adding an Invisitrack Locate with their vehicle purchase. Invisitrack Locate will save your eligible clients between $500 and $2,500 
on their insurance surcharge per year for the next five years. Yes, you heard that right. You can save your clients between $2,500 and $12,500 over the next five years, all while adding a new revenue stream to your dealership and providing your customers with the most effective asset location and recovery device on the market. Now is the time to act. Contact your IA Dealer Services consultant today and ask how Invisitrack Locate can help you and your clients save money and recover stolen vehicles before they end up gone forever. Welcome back to the podcast where I'm speaking with Brock University labor professor, Larry Savage. All right, let's talk about this side of the border. The Ford deal includes arguably the biggest raise in history, 15% over three years, the biggest signing bonus ever at $10,000, the return of the cost of living allowance, something that would be new to anyone hired after about 2008. And yet here we are with Unifor members in Windsor being led by Unifor local 444 president and Stellantis bargaining committee member, Dave Cassidy, threatening to vote down their contract when it's their turn to negotiate later this month, even if GM members ratify the same deal the way Ford members did. Did you expect this to be the end of pattern bargaining? Or maybe how close are we to seeing the end of pattern bargaining? Well, we we haven't seen anything quite like this. And I do wonder how much of it has to do with Dave Cassidy as an individual versus the, what's happening more broadly. Yeah, I, I think people need to keep in mind that, you know, Cassidy ran against Payne for the presidency of the union last year. Yep. Um, that's sort of, I don't know how relevant that is, but I think it sort of adds color to the intrigue. Let's put it that way. Um, but as the union skilled trades chair and the president of Local 444, he has an established power base in the union that absolutely has the capacity to tank a tentative agreement at Stellantis. Um, and of course, as you know, he's made no secret of the fact that he wants to see uh, a, a better contract. But um I don't think there is any scenario in which the bargaining team would knowingly bring a contract to the membership that it knew had no chance of success. And that means there will be um, increased pressure on Payne and Cassidy to iron out their differences in advance of reaching any tentative deal with Stellantis. Now, what does that look like? That is the million-dollar question <laughs> because I maybe you know it's I don't know exactly what Cassidy wants. The National Union's not going to bring a tentative agreement to Stellantis and have a showdown with Dave Cassidy without kind of being confident about a particular outcome. And so uh, I'll be very interested to see what is happening in the, the back rooms. But there's no question this is a big problem for Payne because Cassidy, as you know, has a reputation as a populist yep. who puts his own local first. Um, and he has his own power base. He, has a, he has, certainly has the capacity to tank a tentative agreement uh, that doesn't have his approval. And that has got to be keeping the leadership of the National Union awake at night. Not long after Cassidy made his not-so-veiled threats to break the pattern, 
Unifor President Lana Payne made a YouTube video addressing the importance and power of pattern bargaining. What do you make of that move? The, the National Union, I think, is being very deliberate uh, to do some member education around <laughs> pattern bargaining, its importance historically. Uh, and of course, um, I think Payne is right that historically pattern bargaining was used to ensure that D3 couldn't pit workers against one another as part of a a race to the bottom yep. and that it's clearly true that pattern bargaining has helped preserve relatively higher wages in the automotive sector but the landscape is shifting and i think some segments of the union see an opportunity to break the pattern to the benefit of workers right this is not the way the union or the d3 ever thought of pattern bargaining because, of course, the D3 has always wanted to break pattern bargaining, but yeah. not to the benefit of workers. Yeah. And, um, you know, pattern bargaining basically lets the other members of the D3 know what is the price for labor peace. Dave Cassidy has enough members in Windsor, roughly 4,500, where if enough vote no, a contract doesn't fly, does it? That's right. I don't think that you saw him mobilizing people to vote against the Ford deal. But, you know, if you're following local 444 on social media, if you've been watching these, uh, the news coming out of Windsor, there's no question that they are organizing to, um, to push to break the pattern. I'd like to thank Larry for being my guest this week. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.